This morning, uh, we have a very special guest. He's special to me. I don't know him that well personally. I just met him a couple of months ago when I was speaking at a church, but I've known him for years. Pastor Keith Reed, uh, he's here today to bring a word. Uh, he pastored uh, East Calhoun Church of God for how many years? 25 years he was there. He uh, came to the Calhoun area in 1995, a few short years after that. Uh, God used him to cultivate a spirit of revival in his church. Like I told first service, I don't know if you remember back in the day when cruising was legal in Calhoun. How many of you remember? Was anybody on the strip with me those days? Some of y'all are lying. You're lying through your teeth. I know y'all aren't that holy. But back in the day, you know, you, you would cruise up 41, go down the old Kmart, old Martin Triple Theater, come back up the old Piggly Wiggly. You remember those days. Some of you are lying, but you remember. But a lot of the time, whenever you were out there cruising, I would get in my car and I would go to East Calhoun Church of God for Friday Night Fire. And there would be people literally travel around the world to be and see what God was doing there. I remember showing up some nights and there was lines of people waiting to get into get inside to, to see what God was doing. And Pastor Keith Reed is here today. And if you would, I want you to put your hands together and give him a nice legacy welcome this morning. I thank God for your wonderful pastor and wife and this wonderful church. And I'll tell you one thing. You know, he was talking about what's taking place in the world. The Holy Spirit spoke to me a few years ago and told me this. He said, the intensity of the pressure that the devil brings against you is only a revelation of the greatness that's coming to you. All right? How many have your Bibles this morning? Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I want to preach today on this subject entitled, Pentecost Before and After. Let's stand for these four verses if you don't mind. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Now, Father, you know I can't speak without your help. Give me, Lord, a gift of utterance and a holy unction. I pray, God, that the Word would connect today anoint each person to hear. And, Lord, let lives be changed today and we know that in the altar you'll show us your glory. And all God's people said, you may be seated. We read in the Bible and we see that Jesus chose 12 men. Many of these men, we see of them, they were totally under control. They were calm, serene, and placid. And they walked with such power. But hold on. Let's look at them before Pentecost. Now, the first one you'd think of, of course, would be Simon Peter. One day, Jesus was talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. And remember, Jesus came to die on the cross. 
and be resurrected. And as he talked about his death, burial, and resurrection, Simon got all upset and said, Lord, no, be it far from you. And Jesus whipped around, looked him square in the eye, and said, Get thee hence, Satan. You don't want the things of God. You want the things of this world. But yet, Jesus still called him. One day, when they were preparing to crucify the Lord, Simon followed the Lord afar off. And you know, when you follow the Lord at a distance, you get under much pressure than you do if you follow near to him. Somebody looked at Simon and said, you're one of his disciples. You know Jesus. And, and Simon said, no way. I've never seen him. And you know what I've learned? When you really want to know somebody, see what they do when they're under pressure. So they put Simon under pressure and said, yes, you do know him. And he had the gall to cuss and to swear and said, I don't know that man. But Jesus shows him anyway. The next one we think of would be James. James and John were two brothers who got in their mind one day they were better than everybody else. You know, I've been pastoring about 40 years and I've met people like that myself. They think that they're too good for a lot of things. Well, one day they were talking to Mama, and you know, Mama will do things that nobody else will do for you. They said, now, Mama, you know we're the best. Look at Simon Peter. He's a mess, but look at us. We want you to go to the Lord and ask him when he comes into his kingdom, let James sit on this side and I'll sit on the other. She didn't have more sense to do it than to do it. She went there and said, now, Lord, look at my boys. See how they stand out. And he said, yes, they're good men. And she said, now when you come into your kingdom, I want James on one side and John on the other. And Jesus said, you don't even know what you're asking. But Jesus called them. One day Jesus preached and everybody didn't respond like they thought they should. And James and John, thank God we don't have many of them around today, I hope, run out there and said, Lord, Let's just call down fire and burn this congregation up and get a new one. And Jesus said, what kind of spirit are you of? I didn't come to destroy men's life. I came to save men's life. And then there was Thomas. We all know Thomas as Doubting Thomas. When Jesus appeared after his resurrection, Thomas wasn't there. And they told Thomas about it, and he said, I can't believe it unless I can feel it. You know, you know people like that today. They think everything you get from God, you feel it before you do anything else. And they don't realize that feelings follow faith. Some people get up every morning and try to find their salvation. Well, I tingled in church last week, but I'm not tingling today. The hair on my arm stood up then, so I must have backslid my dreams. Let me tell you something. I don't have, you and I don't possess spiritually what we possess because we feel it. But we possess what we possess because the word of God says it's ours. I have what I have not because I can see, hear, touch, taste, and smell it. 
but I have what I have because it tells me I have it by the infallible, unchangeable, unalterable word of Almighty God. Go ahead and praise Him. Scripture says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So what happened is uh, Jesus told all of his disciples, don't witness, don't go anywhere. When I leave, I want you to go into Jerusalem. And I want you to go to the upper room, and I want you to pray until you receive power from on high. It's amazing that God calls us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But he gives us a calling to do that we can't do physically. It's impossible. But we can do it when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So they all went to the upper room. They all discouraged. But they began to pray. And on the tenth day, the Bible tells us the day of Pentecost had come. They were all up there in one accord in one place. And suddenly... Blam, blam, all these people hollering up. There was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house, and they were all, somebody say all. What does all mean? They all were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues of the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And people were in Jerusalem from all over the world, and they were walking in the streets, and all at once they heard a commotion in the upper room. And all at once, people said, what's going on up there? They must be crazy. And all at once, blam, the upper room doors burst open wide. Who is that? Well, it's Simon Peter. Look at him. He's not wishy-washy now. He's not up there cussing. He's not up there denying the Lord. But look at him. How does he look? Well, I can see him up there. His back is as straight as a ramrod. His eyes look like two balls of holy fire. His tongue is like a torch. And he preaches until thousands get saved. What happened to him? He'd been changed. And then he was going to church at the hour of prayer. And he was walking by and a man was asking alms. And he said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of the holy child, Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And to beat all, he grabbed his hand and snatched him up. And the man went leaping and shouting and praising God. How did this happen? He was James. The next one you'd think about would be James. James was the leader of the early church. But he was the first one to give his all to the Lord. No longer wanting that chief seat. No longer having an ungodly temper. He laid his head on the chopping block. Beheaded for the Lord. What happened to him? He'd been changed. Look at all these men. Then we'd see John. They're all gone now. John's left. He's up in his 80s. They take him and banish to an isle called Patmos. There on the Isle of Patmos, he gave us the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I can see him there on that island. But he wasn't in a rage going around screaming and cursing. 
He wasn't trying to get a chief seat. But I can hear John in the book of the Revelation say, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now let me ask you something, church. What was it that changed these men? What gave them such power? Well, I'll tell you what it was not. It was not Dr. Norman Vincent Peale's book, The Power of Positive Thinking. It was not Dale Carnegie's course on how to win friends and influence people. It was not a degree earned from a university or some sheepskin hanging on the wall. But it was Pentecost and the power of the Holy Ghost that touched these men and anointed these men and gave them power to shake their very guts of hell. What the world needs today. And yet it's sad to say there are people that are preaching against the Pentecostal experience of Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And I hate to admit it, but I was one that did. I was trained in a certain denomination and I was taught to not believe in Pentecost with Acts 2 4 experience. So I believe that it passed away with the apostles somehow. I never found the scripture where it said, but I believe that. And you know what happened? Uh, I got up and, I, sh I shouldn't say it, but let me tell you what I preached one Sunday night. I said, don't get around them Pentecostals. Uh, they were raised on the other side of the railroad track. Don't go to their services. They'll throw power on they'll throw powder on you and you'll act crazy. That's what we believe. And then I said, uh, don't get around the Pentecostals. They've got a three-story elevator and it only goes up one flight. Those people are wacko. But one thing that happened to me, I remember the night, this was in March of 1973. My wife and I, Patty, she's here this morning. We were sitting there on a Wednesday night, and the preacher preached about the cross. And let me say this, the cross is the very focal point of all Christianity. What they did in the early church, they did looking toward the cross. What they did in the New Testament church, they did looking back to the cross. Well, when I saw the cross for the first time, I saw Keith Reed, lost without God, sin in my life. And I looked over at Patty, I said, uh, I need to get saved. She said, well, I need to get saved too. And we both walked up and knelt. And this is what I prayed. I said, Lord, there's not much here, but what I've got, you can have it. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. I repent. That night when we walked out the door, it was March. The wind was blowing in the trees. And when I went to church, it was just a windy night. But when I came out, it seemed like the trees were singing, Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I had joy in my soul. I remember I used to, uh, I was a, a brick mason that, at that, about that time. And I used to put my bag on the back of my, uh, over my level. I'd walk out, get in the back of the car, drive 50 miles and get out and walk, get out and work there. But this morning, when I walked to the road ready to work, the morning before, I was trying to think about a good dirty joke to tell around the fire barrel. But this morning, dirty jokes wasn't on my mind. I started singing, Amazing. 
amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I jumped in the back of the truck, and when I got in the back of the truck this morning, when I sat down, I said, Hallelujah. Their eyes went like this. They didn't say a word on the way to Athens. When we got out, I said, Praise the Lord. And a big man walked up to me and said, I know what you've got. I said, What? He said, You got religion. I said, no, I don't have religion, a cow's a religion. I've got salvation by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know that I'm saved. So what happened is uh, I got saved, and I began to preach, felt the call to preach, and I was uh, ministering at a little church, and uh, I got up that night and t said all that stuff. And, uh, but you know what? I was so hungry. Listen to this. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The most powerful thing naturally on this earth that God will ever give you is a hunger for God. I was so hungry. I was raised by my two grandmothers and my mother, the godliest people in the world. And I remember I can close my eyes and still close my eyes at night and hear them praying and calling my name in prayer. And I knew that what you got from God, you got it because of relationship. You had a relationship with God and you have a relationship with godly people. So I would, I would work uh, in the daytime. I interim pastor at, at Wednesday and Sunday at the church. So I'd go in the back room and I'd get on my knees and I'd say, Oh God, I love you. I need you. And I read of men in the Bible that had such power. Lord, give me the power. Now that's dangerous for a man that doesn't believe in Pentecost. But my hunger, listen, it doesn't matter what barriers you have in your life this morning that's keeping you from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Your hunger will propel you over every barrier. And I'd say, God, give me the power. One night I prayed something that was so dangerous. I said, Lord, do whatever you want to do with me. Just give me the power. And I'd pray and I'd just shake. One night I was praying and the Spirit of God started coming upon me. And I heard something say, tongues. I said, I, I can't take that. I can take a hallelujah. I can take a praise. Lord, you know that, this, that, 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 that Pentecost passed away with John, when he died, the Lord didn't say a word then. Next night I went in there, God, give me the power, give me the power. I keep hearing tongues. And one night I got so close and I began to shake and something said they began to speak in tongues. And I said, I, I, can't, I, I just can't accept that. So I went to bed and I had a dream. I was going to sleep it off. You can't sleep some things off. And uh, I had a dream. Now, you can't gauge your life by dreams. Sometimes you have dreams because you eat too many pinto beans or you eat Mex or maybe you eat Mexican food after 7 o'clock at night. Somebody at the church where I was pastored, East Calhoun, came to me and said, Sister so-and-so is so mad at me. I said, why? He said, she's making faces at me in church. 
And I said, why are you making such angry faces at sister so-and-so? She said, I've just got such an upset stomach, I'm fixing to pop. <laughs> Somebody said, well, that person's thinking about That person hadn't even got you on their mind. But I had a dream. Now, listen, it took a dream for me because I would not accept any Bible body telling me or preaching me to me about it because I already had my mind set up. So I dreamed. I walked into a room. wasn't a big room. There was a uh, window. There was a vase in the window. You know those old gas heaters on the wall? There was a gas heater down the wall. There was a little single bed here, and here was another single bed, but there was something different about this bed. It had a little scrawny-looking man sitting on it. Well, you know, I can't help what I do in my dreams. You're not accountable for that. But in my dream, see, I never would have prayed. I never would have laid hands on a man to, to prayer. No. You know why? Because that's agreement. That's where the power's at. And I couldn't, I couldn't get that far. So I walked over in my dream, raised my hands, laid it on his head. And, you know, I would have, I would have prayed to the Lord, if you want him healed, heal him. But if not, it's all fine. It's okay. But in this prayer, I said, I couldn't help myself. I was out of control. I laid hands. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And the power of God hit him like he was blasted with a 12-gauge double-barrel shotgun. He jumped up and began to dance in the spirit. Now, this is, you know, in a dream. And I began to speak in tongues. Well, that couldn't happen. It hit me so hard, it knocked me, as Ma would say, slap out of my dream, and I sat up in the bed speaking in tongues. What did you do? I said, boop, 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 boop. It took me 30 minutes to get that Holy Ghost calmed down. <laughs> How did you feel? Well, I felt like I was plugged in, and the switch was turned on, and the current was flowing full and free. I went the next night to preach at church, and you know, here's how I felt. Like I was getting this strange power all over me. And I preached, and somebody said, who are you? I said, I'm the same man that preached today. They said, no, you're not. Before church, I walked over to a man. He was walking over, and I touched him on the back. And he jumped and said, whoa, what's that? Another one person walked in and said, how you doing, Pastor? I shook his hand. And he said, whoa, what is that? I said, I don't know, but it's running all over me. Church, this thing's more than carpet on the floor. It's more than padded pews. It's more than stained glass windows. It's more than two and putting two bucks in the offering plate on a Sunday morning. But it is the strength. It's the anointing. It's the power of God that'll touch you and anoint you and give you power to shake the guts of hell. If you keep clapping like that, I'll preach at 2 o'clock. So, so here I am, you know, just, oh, praise God, it just, it's just, there, I, there was no buzz, but it was just like, I just, oh, Lord, and um, a few days later, they gave me this card to go to the, the hospital to visit somebody, so I went to the hospital, and I went up and pulled my car, and took the key, and locked it, and walked in there, you know, cool, calm, and collected. Walked into the hospital, 
He's on the second floor. I went to the second floor and I walked in. There was a waiting area. Nobody was there. And I walked by the nurse's station. And you know, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man is ordered by the Lord. I had no business going in this room. It wasn't even on the card. But I was walking by and all at once I just went right in that room. And I thought, this is stupid. Until I looked and saw the window. And there was the vase. There was that gas heater. There was that bed. And here sat this bed. And Lord, Lord, have mercy. There sat that scrawny man. I'd never seen him but in the dream. <coughs> and he said, can I help you? I thought to myself, Lord, you want me to lay hands on him, and I'm not. <coughs> so I went, I run out the door. Now, how would you feel like if you had heart trouble sitting there and a the man walked in went, ah, and walked out the door? You'd think he's crazy. I ran down the hall. I tried to wait for the elevator, and it was too slow, and I ran down the steps, and I got the keys out and fumbled and threw it in the car, cause the car and cranked it up and jerked it in low range and burnt rubber leaving there. And I was sweating bullets, perspiring, okay. And I, I went to <coughs> Hart County, the square, and, and I stopped there at a red light. And I felt like this red light was red for two or three minutes, but it wasn't. But all at once, I was sitting there, and, 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 and the light was just so long, and all at once, I felt something, someone. I felt Jesus. I never felt him that near, and I really didn't want him that near right then. And it's like, I didn't see him, I was afraid to look. He was sitting in the bucket seat over there, I felt like it. And he said something to me, he said, do you want my will? I said, Lord, I'm trying to plead my case. I said, I die for the Bible, I love the cross, but not this craziness, please, not this stuff. That, that's not, and you know what he told me? Trust and obey. See, I knew that I'd get the left foot of fellowship if I'd had that happen to me. Trust and obey. So this is what I told the Lord. I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to obey you, and if I get in trouble, you're going to have to fix it. So I turned the car around, went back in the hospital, threw it in the park, pulled up in the uh, parking lane right in the front, didn't even park right, left the motor running, got out of the car, running to the hospital. And when I went in there, that scrawny man was in the waiting room. That's not where he was in the dream. Why in the world was he out there? I had to get him where he was for the dream for it to work. And there he was standing over and I, you know, when, you, when the Holy Ghost comes on you, you get bold. And I, and I looked over there at him and I, and I, I, I said, Come here. <laughs> I said it that loud. And he said, me. That's why scrawny people talk. And he started coming. But you know what? Two women come with him. Well, those women wasn't in the dream. I said, who are these women? He said, that's my mama and my sister. I looked at them women. I said, sit down. They sat down. Thank God they did. Or I'd have probably threw them now. He got wild out. He said, what do you want? I said, come here. I said, and I said it choppy. I don't know why. I said, give me your hand. 
And I grabbed him by the hand. See, I had to get him where he was in the dream. So I walked in. Thank, thank God he came. If he hadn't, I'd have hogtied him and took him in there. But I walked down there, walked in the hall, and I could feel the presence of God just building in me. And I set him down where he was and backed up. And you know what? He wasn't where he was in the dream. I said, what are you sitting there for? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're supposed to be a foot over this way. Sit over this way. So he scooted over. And to make sure I got it right, I went out. I said, don't go anywhere. I went out the door, and I come back in. (laughs) And when I came back in, you know what he said? He said, can I help you? Here I am, just, you know, power of God. And I said, sir. I don't know why I said it so loud, but I closed the door. I guess that made things feel worse for him. I said, you don't know me. He said, no. I said, but I know you. He said, how do you know me? I said, because God told me three nights ago he was going to heal you. You know what this little man did? He said, oh, 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 it's coming on me now. It's coming on me now. And I thought, praise God, I'm ready. I raised my hand. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And the power of God hit him like he was blasted with a shotgun. He jumped up and began to dance. And all at once, yeah, you believed it, I began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. And I have been speaking in tongues every day since that day. Get on your feet. Get on your feet. Lift your hands and praise the Lord. Come on, get get on your feet and praise Him.